Gentlemen, outstanding. Outstanding. Thank you, Ed, very much for making this. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, just a short announcement, first of all, to all the ladies in the room. Happy Valentine's Day. Absolutely. Happy Valentine's Day. I want to wish that all to you. I hope you all have a very special day. I'm delighted that you're spending part of it with us. Also, I, I want to let you know that two weeks from today, on the 28th, we will have communion. All right? Two weeks from today, communion. Uh, and so please uh, note that in your calendars. Today's message uh, is my, on my continuing study of the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And again, I reiterate to you that this is the greatest sermon ever prepared in this world uh, because God did it. Uh, it's incredible in so many ways. And you will see it today as it continues on. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And so you see now Jesus begins to flesh out the, the exterior character of the born-again men and women of God. Uh, as he has built this sermon, piece by piece, he started with those interior characteristics that have to be put in place first in order for us to have a triumphant Christian life. First of all, we have to be poor in spirit. We have to mourn over our spiritual condition. And then we reach out to God because we're hungering and thirsting for his righteousness in every way. Uh, and as we do that, we recognize in humility that we must be meek. Uh, and then, then God touches us so that our heart becomes pure, uh, seeking the righteousness of God. And then, uh, as we do that, God makes us merciful. Because if you're not saved, if you've not received the Holy Spirit sealing that, you cannot be merciful. You cannot have a pure heart. It all follows one after the other after the other. And now, as, as God puts this together, the very uh, experience of the Christian man and woman, now he tells us that he expects in our exterior manifestation that we will be peacemakers, peacemakers. Uh, and as peacemakers, we will be the sons of God, called the sons of God. Now, there's no more irrational way than uh, non-Christians can be when they look at this and say that they can put this into practice that they can become peacemakers the way Jesus intended it. Uh, and you see, it would become a great shock to the Jews during Jesus' time that Jesus would say this, that he would say, blessed are the peacemakers. They weren't interested in a Messiah that would be a peacemaker. They were interested in a, a Messiah that would be a militaristic hero, someone who would go and fight Rome and take the boot of Rome off of them. Uh, and elevate the Jewish people. They were looking for their Messiah to elevate the Jewish people above other peoples. This was the last thing they wanted their Messiah to say. Uh, and even John the Baptist, interestingly enough, I believe, didn't fully <clears throat> understand the call of Jesus uh, and what Jesus' ministry was all about. Because you will recall that when John the Baptist was imprisoned, 
he sent out two of his disciples to go to Jesus, and he asked them this very poignant question, art thou he that should come, or should we look for another? Wow, John the Baptist would say that? Because you see, John the Baptist in his mind thought that the Messiah would be someone who would lead the people out of bondage. Uh, not realizing that Jesus had no intention for that, that Jesus was in, interested in a spiritual kingdom. Uh, and effectively what Jesus said is, you know, you don't understand. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is of the eternal world. You are entirely wrong on your outlook. And so then Jesus now gives us this beatitude to stress that. Blessed are the peacemakers. And we're going to talk about what Jesus had in his mind uh, when he used the term peacemakers. Now, there is no more appropriate word for today's world than this. Uh, I don't watch the news anymore, uh, and I know many of you have told me that you don't either, but I would say that anybody that had a fleeting look at the events of the last several months knows that this world cries out cries out for peacemakers, cries out for people that, that can bring this world back to a sense of peace and, and order. And so there is no clearer pronouncement, really, uh, on what the New Testament is about than about this, this very matter. Uh, this really underscores uh, the theology of the New Testament. Now, here's the interesting thing. You will hear people steeped in philosophy who are non-Christians, the intelligentsia, effectively. You will hear them say, oh, I love the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, these are non-Christians. I love it. Why? Because it has no doctrine. It has no theology. It has no dogma. It is just pure and simple. Well, of course, you know, uh, since you've been listening to this sermon series, that that couldn't be farther from the truth, that every word in the Beatitudes is filled with the doctrine of the new birth. It is all about the new birth. It is all about the teaching of the, of the New Testament. And so the reason why people who are peacemakers within the will of God stand out is because they're so different from everybody else in this world. You understand that because they don't have a personal agenda. They're not looking to raise self. They're not narcissists and everything they seek the glory of God in everything that they do and they put others above themselves. As such, as you understand that, you're immediately plunged into the, the theology and doctrine of the New Testament. And so really, when we go back to the basic understanding of why we need this, why are there wars? Why is there confusion? Why, why is there such hatred in this world? Well, it's very simple. It's one simple word. It is sin. And I laugh when I hear people talk about the fact we need more education. Uh, we need to be more civil. We need to be more conscious of ethics. And all of that is good. But you can have all the ethical rules in your life and you don't have the grace to follow them because you've not given your heart to God. It's that simple. We have to understand that. It's that simple. Uh, and so you cannot begin to understand the problem of the modern world unless you understand the problem of man and sin. Right from the beginning of recorded history in the Garden of Eden, man decided that he didn't need God, 
that his pride came above God and sin entered this world and it would never be the same. And so the great need today in this world is for peacemakers to arise. Peacemakers who are committed to God, peacemakers who are born again in every way and, and look to put self down in comparison to other people and look to raise other people even higher than their own interests. Now, this is not about natural disposition. And let's make that clear because I know people will say, well, I know such and such a person uh, and they're not a Christian, but they're a very peaceable person. They're very, this, no, no, let's understand something. It's not peaceable, it's peacemakers. And I'm going to distinguish that for you today uh, in this message. Because you see, the true peacemaker has an elevated sense of righteousness, an elevated sense of justice, and the true peacemaker is not an appeaser. It is not peace at any price. It's peace within the confines of the gospel of Jesus Christ as we serve him and walk with him. So what does it mean, really, to be a peacemaker? What does that mean? Well, uh, he is not concerned about maintaining the status quo. He is not content to let sleeping dogs lie. He desires peace and will do everything he can to enhance peace and maintain it. He does not make trouble, uh, and he goes out of his way to promote peace. Now, how does this all happen? Well, it involves the necessity of a new life. It involves the necessity of a new outlook. It must involve a new nature, a new heart, uh, a total uh, bowing before the throne of God. It is only the man with a pure heart, as we've talked about that, a pure heart dedicated to God, submitting to the Lord, who can be a peacemaker because that person does not have a heart filled with envy, jealousy, and narcissism. That is a person who is totally concerned about elevating the glory of God. And really, this becomes critical because in order to be a peacemaker, the way Jesus identifies it in this verse means to be completely removed from self. And more and more as I study the Christian message, I recognize how important it is to have the self your self-determination, your narcissism, uh, the concern that you have for yourself to be removed and instead have the total glory of God filling your heart through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so this becomes a critical understanding for us as we walk with Christ in every day of our life. And so the Christian man effectively has two people living in him, two men, the old and the new, we never really put off the old until we pass from this world to the next. He hates the old, and he hates the old, old person's view of life. Uh, now, he has a completely different concern. Now, he's concerned about others. Now, he's concerned about the welfare of others. And we talked about merciful, what that meant. It meant pity plus action. And so now, that born-again person is concerned about the world, concerned about those lost in sin. And so he looks at these people and he takes pity on them and he wants to bring them into the orbit of God. And so in order to function this way as the peacemaker that Christ would have you be, uh, effectively you must have an entirely new view of the world. The peacemaker has only one concern 
and that is Christ, the glory of God in everything he does. He is a man who is ready to humble himself and is ready to do anything in order to promote the work and glory of God. He is even prepared, if he has to, to suffer social injustice in order to bring peace to this world. Now, one of the things we must learn as a peacemaker is to hold our tongue. This is hard, okay? This is hard. I can speak personally about that. I spent many years in making a pretty good living with my tongue. Uh, And as God called me, as God called me in the ministry, I recognized that I now had to lash that tongue down, all right? I I don't know if if many of you have heard me tell the story, but I'll tell it now because it's appropriate that uh, a a few years ago, I was going into the Fifth Avenue uh, coffee shop uh, because that's where I normally had coffee. And it was in the middle of of the season in February. uh, And when I would normally walk up and get coffee right at the front, now there was a line out to the sidewalk because all of the, you know, interlopers had come down. Is that a fair word? They'd all come down, and they had now packed the shop. I couldn't get in, and I'm in line now for what's probably a half an hour, and what makes it worse is many of the people in front of me were dressed in what I called sausage suits. You know what a sausage suit is? Those are those suits that I could never get into even in my dreams. These uh, bicyclists will wear these skin-tight outfits. All right, skin-tight outfits uh, in order to be aerodynamically accurate as they're riding their bike. And so now there's a number of these guys in front of me as well. So now my New Jersey temperament is getting filled up, all right? And, And just as I'm getting near to the counter, one of the compatriots of a guy in line, another sausage suit person, comes over and gives this note that's like about a foot long. Here, Joe, put this order in for us. Oh, oh, the injustice, the indignity of it all, the injustice. And so I put my tongue into go forward launch mode. And as this guy turned around and looked me straight in the face, I was ready to fire off a missile. And instead, God intervened, and this guy says to me, John, we love your Bible study. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I just realized that if I had put myself into my normal mode, I would have wrecked a relationship. I would have ruined ruined the impact in my life of what God wants me to be, all because I would have lost control of my tongue. And that's one of the things that I recognize that I have to do, and I pray that God gives you that that wisdom as well. And so the peacemaker is a man who has controlled his tongue and his lips and does not speak out of turn. And the next thing you have to do if you want to be a peacemaker is to look for means and methods of promoting peace. Uh, When someone repeats ugly things about someone, don't repeat that. Don't be someone who serially just passes on bad things about gossip about people like that. Look for ways to end that kind of conduct. When you hear that, what you ought to do is look at a person who is saying these kind of things and recognize that Satan is controlling that person. And when you see that, you recognize that that person, unfortunately, has become a dupe of Satan. 
now, sometimes it may absolutely mean that you have to humble yourself in some of these circumstances and even apologize to some people who it would make you ill to apologize to, but that's what God wants you to do in order to promote peace. This is something that we need to uh, really reflect upon and think about it. Uh, and, and so everything that we do in this world as we follow Christ, we need to be promoting peace endeavoring to diffuse the peace of God throughout the world. We do this by being selfless, by being loving, by being approachable, uh, and not standing on our dignity. It's humility, you see. It's humility. You don't stand there and say, I'm not going to humble myself to that person. But instead, you recognize that because God saved you, because God in his mercy reached out across eternity uh, and effectively humbled himself to you, that you now need to humble others as well. And when you do that, people will find you approachable and lovable and recognize that they will get sympathy from you and recognize that when they speak to you, you will give them the truth about God himself. And so the result of all these pronouncements by Jesus is that these people are called the children of God. Uh, And when you go back and look at the original Greek in this translation, called in the Greek word meant owned. And so effectively what Jesus was saying is that these people are owned by God. God owns them and God controls them. And so one of the most glorious definitions of the character of God is found in Hebrews 13, verse 20, where it says, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Can you imagine? The God of peace, the God of peace who sent Jesus to a world lost in sin because God wanted to promote peace in the in this world. And so God sent Jesus into this world uh, in order to be the Lord of, of peace. And you know, one of the very early names of Jesus in, in Isaiah was Prince of Peace. And so there's no question about it. But remember this the only peace that Jesus could bring is peace to those who have accepted him. Okay? The world will never accept him generally. And therefore, the world will never have peace. But to those people who have accepted Christ, who have brought him into their hearts, who have bowed in submission before the throne of God and have been filled with the Holy Spirit, those people will have peace. And that's your responsibility to tell them about it. That's the role of the peacemaker. And so to be a peacemaker is effectively to be like Jesus, in every way. We remember he's called the Prince of Peace. And so as he was called the Prince of Peace, we want to walk in those same footsteps. Now, Jesus never clutched at his rights. And this is important to remember. Because we as Christians sometimes will say, well, wait a minute, I have my rights. I have my rights. And you see, Jesus never was concerned about his rights. He humbled himself. Can you imagine the God who created this world being, being advised by God the Father uh, that he should consider coming to this world and becoming a man and winding up going on a cross uh, and, and be crucified? Can you imagine what it would take for God himself to humble himself in that way and to give up all the prerequisites of deity? And yes, he did it. He wasn't concerned 
about his rights or his standing with God. He recognized that this was his responsibility for a world that was lost, that none of us here would ever be saved without him doing that. And so he never thought of himself at all. He never did in everything that he did. And so that's our responsibility as well as peacemakers, not to think about your personal standing, but instead to think about how do I have to work in order to promote the glory of God. And so when you fully realize that everything you have, all of the peace that you have in your life is because God reached across eternity, Jesus went on the cross and died for you when you recognize that that's everything that God and Jesus did for you, then you have an understanding of why you need to promote peace in this world, to reach out to the lost, to reach out to those people who don't know Jesus so that they can have the same experience that you have as well. Yes, you want it for your family. Yes, you want it for your friends. But yes, you want it for the entire world. And that's the nature of what God has intended for us. And so what is the practical application of this particular beatitude? Well, achieving peace requires effort to promote harmony. The scripture teaches us that in order to bring peace, we must engage in actions that foster harmony. We don't just sit there in a chair and do nothing, but we do things that will engage others and harmonize others uh, into the thinking of God. Uh, The Greek word translated as peacemaker, and this is key, I want to emphasize, this is key, is a word used to describe someone who actively proclaims God's word to reconcile the listener with the Lord. Let me repeat that. The true definition of peacemaker as used in this beatitude by Jesus in the Greek meant someone who would be called to reconcile the lost world to God. How about that? That's the nature of peacemaking. In other words, God has called you to be a messenger on his behalf, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to bring the message of reconciliation to a world that is lost. That's your principal role. That's what God expects you to do. Uh, And so uh, Hebrews 12 verse 14 tells us that we as believers We must make every effort to live in peace. So yes, we live in harmony. Yes, we we control our tongue. Yes, we do things that elevate people and love people. But most importantly, as peacemakers, we promote the reconciliation of this lost world to God. We tell them, in effect, about Jesus. We tell them why you have the peace that you have. That's the call in your life. Uh, and that's what's so important. So peacemakers live, live in peace, live, live in peace in this world uh, because they do such things as honoring God. They honor others above themselves. They share with those people who are in need. When people mourn, they re- mourn with them. When people rejoice, they rejoice with them. Uh, but they consistently turn away from evil in every possible way. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans 
verses 9 to 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Wow, what a great sense of verses there. Uh, that tells us what it means to be a Christian, that we promote peace. That's how we do it. We elevate others. And when people see that kind of conduct in your life, you don't have to pass a pamphlet. You don't have to give them a book because your life serves as a poster of what's different about you. And you begin to promote reconciliation, that they understand that they need to be brought back to God. And so it comes as no surprise that a peacemaker effectively is someone who emulates Jesus. You're walking in a life that looks like Jesus. The Prince of Peace is beginning to work within you so that you can promote the work of God to affect change in others. And so here's the thing. Peacemakers also build bridges between unbelievers through the ministry of reconciliation. And let me explain so you understand what reconciliation is about. This is a key word. It means God just didn't save you and leave you in a passive saved condition, but God intended to reconcile you. Reconciling means to lift you up and put you back so that you are in primary partnership with the ministry of Christ Jesus. That's what reconciliation is. It's an incredible, incredible fact, incredible uh, power that God has that he has given us to promote this and he has saved us for this. Can you imagine that God would have that kind of work for us? That not only does he save us, but that he makes us effectively these ambassadors of reconciliation. Uh, and in fact, uh, there's a very powerful passage on this. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'd like you to see, read that with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Can you imagine? You have been called to be an ambassador of God. You have been called to effectively be the person who does the work that God wants done. He doesn't do it through angels. He certainly could if he wanted to. He doesn't do it himself, but he calls you and me to be these ambassadors, to be the hands and feet of, of the gospel, to be those people who go out into the world and see people that are lost, living in sin, and in the most loving way. Speak to them about what God has done for you and through that to elevate them and to bring them back into the kingdom of God, to teach them about what salvation is about. This 
is what the role of the peacemaker is. It's not about you joining the United Nations, all right? And I have nothing against the United Nations, okay? It's nothing about you going into mediation, and I have nothing against mediation. But the role, the principal role that Jesus is speaking about here in this beatitude is to be the ambassador of reconciliation, to be the peacemaker that shows the lost world what it means, what it means to become a Christian, and how when you embrace God, when you take God into your heart, everything in your heart changes, and how now peace pours into your, into your heart in the most incredible way. Uh, this is such a powerful statement by God and by Jesus. And so peacemakers build bridges uh, between people in discord with one another, they promote reconciliation with God. Uh, they foster reconciliation amongst varying people. They encourage peaceful living between people uh, and neighbors. They rebuke those who are living in sin, but they do it in a loving way. They warn those who are disruptive, but again, they do it in a loving way. And they discourage people from being vindictive, but most importantly of all, they are the ambassador of reconciliation. That's the principal role on your life. That's what God has called you to do. Jesus has explained it to you in this beatitude that when you are saved, when you've gone through all the steps, the mourning, the poor in spirit, the reaching out uh, to, to God, uh, wanting the justice of God, hungering and thirsting for God, having a purity in your heart, having mercy, that perforce after all this is done, then God says, now I want to see the external manifestation of this in your life. I want to see you be a peacemaker. I want to see you be an ambassador of reconciliation to a world that is lost. Uh, and so, this becomes a critical understanding of, of the beatitude. It becomes a critical understanding of where we are today. Uh, and I would say each of us needs to reflect truthfully uh, before God. Am I completing this message, Lord? Am I able to go out into the world and talk about you, Lord? Am I, am I promoting your word? Or am I in some ways concerned about my own social standing? Oh, you know, John, I, I, I know these things, but I'm afraid to do it because, you know, if people at the country club see me do this, they're going to think I'm a flake and I'm not going to have friends. I'm not going to be looked at in a positive way. Uh, and all I have to say to you is just remember where you would be if you were not saved. And if that's something that you can remember, then why wouldn't you reach out to your friends and give them the same thing that you have? Uh, or, or certainly your family, even if they think by some strange reason you're a flake. Well, you know what? If I'm a flake, I want to be sold out to God as a flake. That's what I want. And that's the message today, folks. That's the message that Jesus has drilled home to us in this beatitude. This is the practical application of Matthew chapter 5, understanding what it's about. Yes, it is the most important message ever given in this world because it critically outlines to us what God's expectations are for us as people of faith. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be an ambassador of reconciliation? What's my role in this world? And when you understand it all, you bow before the throne of God, amazed that the God of the universe would call us, you and me, 
to this work. Amen, church? Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the messages that you've given us, for the Beatitudes. Lord, it has touched our heart as we begin to understand the role that you have given us as individuals, as ambassadors of reconciliation, effectively the peacemaker in this world. Lord, we know there can be no peace in this world unless those who have accepted you bow before your throne. It is only through the Holy Spirit emblazoned in our heart as we bow and submit ourselves to you that peace comes to us. And now just as peace comes to us, you expect us to take that peace and promote reconciliation as an ambassador of Christ, as it were, as if we were diplomats for a great government. And in fact, we are diplomats for the greatest government in the history of the world, the kingdom of God. Amen, church.